to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him, his. I'm a queer, political, actor, activist, comedian, cancerian, self-proclaimed, sexy blurred. That's a uh, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by another fabulous minority where we tackle the news, pop culture, politics, media, history, and more, all with a little self-care and self-love sprinkled throughout. This is an action-packed week full of so much goodness. Hold on to your butts. First up, it's the oh-so-talented actress Sam Jackson is finally here joining us for some hot, hot topics. Gender reveals have gone too far. Did we miss the rapture? There's new Oscar rules for inclusivity. It's the summer of sequels because it's Rachel Dolezal part two, except this time she's Afro-Latina, but still white. The new Batman movie may have gone back to work too early in the middle of a pandemic, which Sam can relate to navigating working on set in the age of Corona and the shit that she had to go through working on set recently. And then it's my interview with writer, director, actor, drag queen, choreographer, nightclub owner, web series host, my friend, mentor, Darcy Drollinger is here to talk so many things. The dance move turned metaphor Darcy has used to turn crisis into opportunity. Navigating keeping a nightclub afloat in these times, being a drag queen in these times, working as an artist. Uh, such a great conversation and also Darcy's hilarious web drag new show hot trash and most importantly we talk about our movie premiering at Frameline Festival next week shit and champagne it's finally here from stage to screen and making my feature film debut Darcy Jolinger wrote it directed it starred in it and it is here folks let's do it let's learn laugh and play right here on Minority Corner Sam Jackson welcome to the show Thank we got you. some motherfucking Sam Jackson mm. on this motherfucking podcast. Mm, mm, mm. Let's go. Okay. Oh my gosh. So when you woke up this morning, were you like, oh my God, is this Mars? Oh my God, is it still 3 a.m.? Wait a minute. It's 7.30. What was your a wake thousand up percent. I was, I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, I woke up so early. It must be like 5 a.m. <laughs> Look at her. And then I looked outside and was like, oh no. <laughs> Jesus has come yes. and I've been left behind. I actually, Do you know what I mean? No, I had to wait for the pitter-patter of my neighbors <laughs> upstairs to make sure. I thought like the world had, I had some really weird-ass dreams last mm-hmm. night too. So I really was like, oh, I think the world did end. It is yeah. dark, like fire, orange sky, red, and dark. And terror and dark. dark. Like, it was pitch black i had to turn lights on i looked at my <laughs> little fitbit and was like oh it's 7 30 yes what the fuck is going and on and then i thought oh this will clear up hasn't it will not we will not see the sun not today at all. there will be no sun There's today no lie it looks like it looks like sunset yeah and it is 
it's it's five forty five. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's I, evening. I ate dinner today at three p.m. because my system was like, it's time for dinner, and now it's time for me to go to bed. I'm like, no, it's three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. I started drinking at eleven. Once, there, I listen, mean, because my body was like, it's five o'clock. The weather, is- <laughs> the weather told you, so that's not. You know what? And I just want to say a big giant fuck you to gender reveals because that's mm. why this this wasn't just like the random weather lightning strike that we had this was no. a gen created by a fucking gender reveal gone awry and it's not the first one <laughs> that's the like thing. it's not the first time <laughs> did you know wait so in looking into this i also found out that gender reveal a gender reveal in 2017 Somebody accidentally made a pipe bomb. Yeah. And the shrapnel killed the grandma. Oh, my God. And so, like, can you even, like, <sighs> I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Grandma's not here anymore because we needed to tell everybody that you had a penis. Right. Like, and that you're like, this isn't even my actual gender. Like, I already think gender reveals are dumb. Now yes. we know that gender reveals also kill people physically and hmm. also emotionally. It's awkward. They're so dated. It's, it's weird because they're new, but they're dated. Like I could yeah. see this as something that came out, like we're doing it in the nineties or something. Mm-hmm. And because things have changed, like it's weird that they're happening now when we're having these conversations and revelations about like gender being a construct. And now we're doing, it's weird. Stop doing them. It's- People are dying. Even the woman who made this fad popular, I don't know her name, and I'm sorry, I should have I should have looked this up. Forget her name. <laughs> has come out multiple times oh. saying, Stop doing this. Oh, it's no damaging. Way. She oh, yeah. came out and said, okay. Stop doing this. My child is trans. This oh, is not okay. Yeah. Boop, 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 back See? in the day. And now she's coming back and be like, What the hell are you guys doing? Learning. She created a Frankenstein monster. Like it's at least stop doing those. So mm-hmm. no more of that. Please don't. Be safe. Cause like I had you and I both come, we both grew up in Solano County. I still have yes. family. My dad had to get evacuated in the the lightning strike uh fires mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. It was really really terrifying so i mean that was just weather we don't need your shenanigans fucking shit up people my mom is full on decided to leave like the house that i grew up in she was like fuck these flyers fuck 2020 (laughs) fuck these trump supporters in vacaville and finished i'm moving to monterey i was like wait what okay (laughs) yeah well, I think they have fa- the, the, the fires in Santa Cruz. So I went to UC Santa Cruz and like my college the same week, like my hometown and my college were all like catching on fire. It's, it's too much. It's too much. Stop well, it. You're an actress and I want you to yes. know because a future Oscar winning actress and I want <laughs> you to know that the rules of uh, the Oscars have changed because you know the Oscars for a while have been like oh, we're gonna, we're working to make things more inclusive. We're working on it to be continued. Everyone's just uh-huh. like, we're waiting, we're waiting. <laughs> Hello. So this week, and here's the thing. It's the thing is like everyone is just always so angry all the time anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter what the Oscars does. Like someone's going to be angry. Like either it's like, I hate what you're doing or mm, I hate that you're trying or, oh, I hate that they're, like someone's gonna be angry. So a thousand percent. you could already get ready to see like, okay, so. For now on, starting uh, the 96 Oscars that will happen in 2024, assuming the planet is still around and that mm-hmm. we're not, I mean, we could be in a, you know, not going to speak that into existence. I'm not going to finish my sentence, but we're just okay. going to shut that down. Okay. <laughs> so we will have a 2024 Oscars. We will be rounding out a Joe Biden and Kamala Harris presidency. 
And the best picture will need to jump through two of the following four hoops. So there's four criteria and you need to just need to hit two. Okay. The film must feature underrepresented groups, either in substantial roles, the overall ensemble or in its narrative themes. That's point number one. Okay. Point number two is certain number of key crew members must be female and or queer, non-white or disabled. Okay. Number three, the film's distributor must employ apprentices or paid interns from underrepresented groups. That's number three. Okay. And then the fourth, the company must have female, queer, non-white and or disabled executives in its marketing, publicity or distribution teams. You only need to hit two out of the four. And so that's that's the thing. And Kirstie Alley, which like remember her <laughs> and never forget, she's a Scientologist, and so she's already uh-huh. about crazy. She went off on Twitter about how this is like George Orwellian. You're telling artists what to do. Could you imagine like if you, Picasso was dictated like how oh my we gosh, had to ma'am, do? Take a seat. Also, take like, a Scientology Holly, seat. Ho- Hollywood is a business, babe. Hollywood is a come on. Let's let's bring it. Take a Scientology seat. Go do something else with your money. Go like like helping like defeat racism or starving Mm -hmm. children as opposed Mm -hmm. to just giving David Miscavige money. Don't get me. That's a whole other. I am. Yes. So wait, I want to backtrack just a little bit just to (laughs) these rules, because as you're reading them. Yes. As much as my heart is like, yes, come on, diversity. Yes. Come on. Like all the things. I'm also like, oh, wait, is this just affirmative action is finally reaching the acting scene. Right. Like affirmative action is finally reaching this, <laughs> this, yes. this society. Like, come on. And that's, I think a hundred ten percent. And, but here's the thing, like everyone's all up in arms. Like, here's the thing. I, cause at first I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'm all for like, you know, at least like setting some rules and some guidelines because like things are so unequal and this is like, yes. it forces people to have that in the mind when they're doing their productions. Like I'll tell you some of the best movies they've seen are the ones that have like uh, a female director, which usually spawns uh, diverse people on the behind the camera and in in front of the camera. Um, mm-hmm. When you have those, like I, uh, uh, what is it, those inclusive writers? Like, those movies, I think, tend to be better. Those TV shows, they're just more voices. It's, it's just more interesting. But here's the thing. So many people are all up in arms, like, calm down. So many movies, people are now looking back, like, which movies in the past would have uh, passed this. Mm. The Irishman. Uh, because they're, uh, the cinematographer is Rodrigo Prieto. He's uh, he's Mexican. Lord of the Rings trilogy to mm. the screenwriter. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is very... It seems like it's very white. Well, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens are both women. And 1917, co-written by a woman. Um, So really, they've set standards that they're kind of already making. So it's sort of like they're creating a bar. They're like, well, we're kind of already kind of passing it. So but on the other end, I do think that at least it's it's putting it in the forefront as a more active expectation. And so. I think that there'll be more because people are like, oh, I've, I got to try to clear this. So I can't just like, I'm not just going for maybe, oh, two women. Maybe I'm going to try to get more people on board. Right. Yeah. It also definitely interests me that this, again, affirmative action for yep. Hollywood is it's <laughs> like, like a book. lumping together. It's like brown people. And women uh-huh. and people with disabilities. And I'm like, hold yes. on a second. <laughs> yeah, because it's like really what they're telling all you is that all like, of the causes. But like, 
Because they're also telling you that that is so. We get it that this industry is outwardly straight, cis, white is essentially like what the they're like. Oh, yeah. Sorry, everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) I say I'm at least appreciative that like efforts are are, are being made. Christy Alley have a Scientology chair. And then also (laughs) Christy Alley. Get out of there. I got to tell you, I honestly have a side hustle of like, I'm going to try to like take a page out of Leah Remini's book and shut Scientology down. I, shut it down. I'm obsessed with Scientology. Well, not in that way. Like I'm obsessed with the show. <laughs> have you been to the temple here in San Francisco? I have not. No. Oh my, I was walking down the street back in the times of, you know, walking down when the street with masks off and talking times. to strangers yeah. right, in, the, in the before times. Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's by, it's kind of like, uh, 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 like near the, 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 yes. the Trans America building. Yes, 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 yes. And I, I was walking and my partner and I had just been talking about Scientology and how crazy it is. <laughs> yes. Like the night before. And then some like adorable kind of hipster boy walked past me and was like, hey, how are you? I was like, oh my gosh, I'm great. He like complimented me on my hair or something and handed me this card. And I was like, what is this? And it was a Scientology card with like <gasps> a QR code uh, on it. They must have like, heard you. Mm-hmm. Ma'am. Did you not see that I'm black as hell? Oh, like, this but they're is not... trying to recruit because they have realized because they have all the... <laughs> you don't want to be that representative? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you didn't want to get your Dianetics test? Oh, this is going to... Again, I go in hard. I got my... I feel like maybe I have started my own cult because I got my roommate into the Leah Remini show because Leah Remini escaped it and is trying to like like essentially feed the breadcrumbs to the FBI to be like, shut this shit down. And because Scientology got tax exemption status, like they're kind of untouchable and they got it through bullying people who worked at the IRS. That's what they do. They call it fair game. They bully people personally, go after their family. And so like I, and I just like, I don't know. Like I just, I love like just seeing these people and their tragedies and like, Oh, and they're mostly white. And I'm just like, Oh, white people. Like, and it's cause I think mostly white people, because it's like, they people want a sense of belonging and purpose and so they want to feel like they're part of something bigger that's doing all this like great stuff but i'm also just like y'all could have been putting that money into like so many different like you could be combating like racism and here's the most wild thing that scientology recently has done louis farrakhan calling him out why? Yes, Louis Farrakhan has become a Scientologist, and so Scientology and the Nation Stop of Islam. Stop your I'm life! Wait a kidding. second. They do an episode <laughs> on it. The Nation of Islam is slowly being indoctrinated into Scientology. It's so sad. It isn't is it, like, so basically sad. a pyramid scheme. Like, yes, isn't that it basically is. what's going on? That's a hundred percent what's happening. Like, and so, what? to the point where they call him Brother L. Ron Hubbard the leader right like i couldn't <laughs> believe it like and you're so right it is a pyramid scheme so louis faircon at the very top is making a shit ton of money but then it's like it gets to the point where they talk about xenu xena whatever and it's like but y'all believe in god i'm shook uh and it's so sad because like these people who listen i have my qualms like i appreciate the nation is on for helping uh specifically like you know black folks have community and i folks who've been released from prison to have like you know to help them turn their lives around i have a lot of pauses and questions around from about what happened to malcolm mm-hmm. x because i do believe the nation of islam i saw the documentary who killed malcolm x and mm-hmm. um nation of islam 
has some dirty fingerprints on that. <laughs> they got some things to do with it. Don't yeah. come for me, okay? <laughs> but then to see, like, I think anybody that is part of a spiritual practice that they believe in their heart and are doing, trying to do good with that, and to see them being, like, and because Scientology is mostly white, and so they're like, well, we need to get more black people. And what they did was they were like, they sent Leah Remini into the black community because I guess they were like, well, she, because, you know, she's like from Queens and she's like, dark, she's got like, she's got a good tan. So maybe they thought like she could pass. Like, Look, I'm finished. So they sent her in I'm to go finished. recruit the black people. And oh so she feels so guilty. So she had all these people, people who've left the NOI because Scientology is slowly creeping in. So they have to. The people at the NOI had to like start taking these classes. You see them holding up their like uh, Scientology books and Dianetics. It's sad. I mean, it's just corruption on corruption on corruption. And it's like, can we make you more corrupt than you already are? Come yes. Like, what? 110%. Oh, speaking of uh, corruption. Uh oh. So, you know, it's the summer and we're supposed to have like sequels. It's the summer <laughs> of sequels. Um, this is the Rachel Dolezal sequel. It's coming at you like Cleopatra, except this time she's pretending to be Afro-Latina. I can't stand. Also, she's like, I want to be Cardi B. Like she heard WAP and was ready. Yeah, like, well, she was. Well, okay, here's the thing. So she was a professor. She was all, and You know, she can't just be like, oh, I'm. she has to be the professor teaching African-American studies. Of course. I don't want to just be this. I want to teach my people, these are air quotes happening for those of you listening yeah, at home, my people about my culture. I'm totally fine with there being white teachers who teach African-American studies as mm -hmm. white people. Be you. Do you. That's Appreciation fine. Appreciation versus appropriation. Boom. Okay. Done. We're we going to get go into that home. later as well. Show done. So, <laughs> mm -mm. Finish. Goodbye. Well, Jessica Krug, she yeah was specializing in African and Latin American studies at George Washington University. She published a piece <laughs> pretty much uh, called like the truth and, and the anti-blackness of my lies. She calls herself a cultural leech, a coward and someone who built her life on deceit writing. And she said, you should absolutely cancel me. And I absolutely cancel myself. So she outed herself. But here's the <laughs> yeah. thing. Do you know why she did that? Why? Cause her students were about to out her. There were all these other, like these other <laughs> professors who found out about her. Cause they were like, wait a minute, that a white girl. She's a like white like Jewish girl and she had changed her ethnicity several times at first she was like um West African like from Morocco and then she was like um Caribbean black and then she was like Bronx black like she just kind of kept evolving and then apparently and so it's, it was very confusing for the students who were coming to this realization and they were like wait a minute like she literally was just running she was very aggressive she was just Per, like trying to, per, she was playing a caricature of what she thought a black woman was, and she would call oh other God. black women out on like they're not down for the struggle and all this sort of shit. And then when it was going to come to light, so she didn't listen. When Rachel Dolezal came to the surface, that's when if she really was having a come to Jesus moment. She could have came out then. She I, didn't come listen, out till years later. I, what kills what kills me about this. Of course, there's the obvious, right? Like, girl, <laughs> yeah. several seats. <laughs> but I am not even here for it when other black people, truly, mm -hmm. genuinely born black people, mm -hmm. lived through the struggle, mm -hmm. call other black people out on yeah. not 
truly living the struggle. Totally. Because yep. each of us has our, our own, own path, journey. our own shit. Yeah. It took me a while to get to where I am today. And yes. I appreciate everyone else's journey. Yeah. But if you are going to come to me and pretend <laughs> that you've had to deal with what I had to deal with mm-hmm. and then call me out. Girl, listen, I'm not a violent person, but I will smack the shit out of somebody. But then you find to come to find out it's like an episode of Scooby Doo, take the mask off. Wait a minute, you a white woman. Like they Scooby Doo that. It's just a whole white lady. And then but but the trick was she said, I'm a Scooby Doo myself because she doesn't want to turn into Karen. She's she's scared to turn into a doxed Karen. That's what's happening right now. And that is disgusting. And like kind of ran away, like she could see the mob was coming for her and then tried to out herself and like i'm gonna cancel myself before you guys can it's like that's it not just how it works not and that's not it's not enough and mm-hmm. honestly i think it should be a crime to impersonate someone's identity or ethnicity yes. you know a crime to impersonate uh, someone else's identity and nationality and profit off of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because she also was stealing taking money because she was getting grants she was getting all these different opportunities she was writing books <laughs> like, oh my god i ain't got no book deal <laughs> can i tell you so when the yeah. whole rachel dozal thing first happened yeah i was in a situation ship with this guy mm-hmm. and we got into it he happened to be a white man mm-hmm. surprise yeah um right. and we got into it and he had the nerve to say, well, back in the day, black people used to pass as white and get better jobs. So why is this different? Okay. And for anyone <laughs> Catch him up. who was listening <laughs> to Minority Corner, <laughs> I need you to hear this. Yes. That point is a bullshit. Okay. Straight yeah. up hot, yeah. fresh, steamy mm. bullshit. Oh, I smell it. Yeah. I mean, it's the like it's the reverse racism argument. Which doesn't exist. It's, it's just not real. What do you what? mean black people try of course we just did survive because we were... you were going to murder us. Literally. My great and it's a real I mean and, and we're still dealing with the ramifications of that with like colorism and 100%. passing. Um mm-hmm. that we're even us as a black community are having an awakening of that of this, yes. you know, this research of you know black is beautiful and whatever your skin tone is because uh, like i i know that like i think it was like my great 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 grandmother one of my greats she was great but uh her <laughs> grand her mother had told her to not marry someone or have kids with someone who was darker skin than her mm-hmm. and she was already fair skin and they could pass um but because that was a huge thing it was like you wanted to get the skin tone as lighter as lighter for and i understand like i'm like okay I would not want that now, but I understand the mentality of what was driving them for survival because white people were murdering black people. To this day, my grandmother still says, tells me to not be in the sun. Mm, She's still still there to this day. Yeah. Don't go in the sun. Why do you want to be darker? All of these things. And I get it from her perspective. Mm -hmm. I super get it from her perspective growing up in the thirties in Arkansas. Yeah, you know, I I cringe now when my mom tells me she's like, oh, you've got that good hair. And I Mm. used to like I used to wear that as a badge of honor when I was Mm -hmm. younger. And now I cringe because Mm -hmm. there's there's such white supremacy layered into that. Um, But again, that was the thing of the times. Like you wanted that like, ooh, that light skin and that (laughs) good hair. Ooh, you could pass so you could be anything. And um, but that those were the times. Anyways. Fuck this lady. And you know what? Anybody else who's out there pretending to be 
Uh, not white. Guys, come out now. I don't want to have to have Everybody. this conversation again. I don't want to do it. It's like, annoying. if you need to go on Dr. Phil and have yes. your moment, if you need to Jerry Springer that, here. he's not even on. Come on, my Come on, my we'll, we'll Calling <laughs> all racially confused people, okay? Yes. Give us a call. Yes. Reach out. We will help unmask you. We will Scooby-Doo that shit for you. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. It's annoying because the very first episode of Minority Corner, we talked about Rachel Dolezal. And like here we are five years later still talking about the sequel of this other Karen. Like, I know, like, Black is beautiful. I know we're dope as hell. Like, I know. We're fantastic. Like, thank you for noticing. Also, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Be in your lane. You know what? You've got so much. Don't throw your power away. Like, I love, you've got all that power and privilege. You can be a great ally. You'll actually be even more helpful over there. Yes. And and you can help from over there. You can Mm -hmm. do it. We, Mm -hmm. We appreciate that. Um, With great power comes great responsibility. Get it. Don't run away from that. I already forgot her name, Karen. Last thing I want to touch on is, so um, so some movie sets are going back to work, which I'm already like, oh, are we? Is it time? Are we? Are we sure? <sighs> and the bat, like, I know that um, some of the big Marvel movies again, they got all that Disney money. Uh, the uh, they're building sets full on, like immersive worlds down in Australia because they have the money to be able to do that. And uh, the Batman went back to work, which I am excited because Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman. So I'm I here for that. I love her so much. I love her. Oh. Do you see her in High Fidelity? So good. I haven't seen it yet, mostly oh. because I'm nervous to watch it because I feel like I'm going to be really jealous. Yeah. I was like, going to actually, I was literally going to say, don't watch it because you're like, this is, it's literally the role that you would play. It you is a role that saying? you would play. Yeah. This is also <laughs> why I couldn't watch She's Gotta Have It. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I was yeah. like, that's, it's literally me. She's literally yeah, me. That, she's pan. She's yeah. poly. She's brown. She's cute. She got a nose piercing. Like, I was like, this is too much for you're me. You're like, this is too close to home. But like, <laughs> eventually I'll watch both of them because sure? I know it's fantastic. Because then you're going to you know? be like, you're going to finally feel like, oh my God, this is like what like white girls do all the time. Like, their story is being told. Like, that's. <laughs> oh, it's so like, real. It is. So, I'm so, so not used to yeah, seeing that. Say. Which is why I feel jealousy as opposed to excitement. Like, like, yes, you know, your success is my is. success because Ugh, that's what so happens real. is like the work is so limited that we feel that like, oh, they got it. There's one mm-hmm. bu- bus heading to success town. And there's so few opportunities for us uh, non-white folks mm-hmm. that uh, I totally get that. I understand that because it, it happens so few and far between. Whereas like white folks there, I mean, there's just an abundance. There's not a shortage yeah. of roles for them to get to play. And what kills me is that, like, I will tell other people to go watch it. Like, I'm yes. not a You're hater like, jealous. I right. just feel like when I watch it, I'm going to be depressed yes. about my life. Let it inspire But other people you. should see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. it should be watched. Ratings I up. I, like, think, I think it'll inspire you. And what's nice is, like, she... She's not the only black person on the show. So it's mm-hmm. like a rule, like season three, there's room for you to be on the show and you can be like her sister or like, you know, I don't know, love interest. We don't know. So we'll figure that I out. I mean, I would love that role. I yeah. mean, I don't well, talk about it. that Fine. show finished filming. This movie did not. So the Batman was like, we're going to start filming and then had to shut down because there was a positive COVID-19 test mm-hmm. um, from the lead, Robert Pattinson himself and so it's like yeah we're still in a pandemic y'all uh-huh. like should we be rushing back to filming so 
little hot take on that real quick. A little personal <laughs> yes. anecdote about this real quick. Yeah. So as an actor, mm. I, you know, I've been enjoying my, my fun employment, but yeah. have recently gone back to work. So I was recently on set in COVID times, yeah. which I was not sure I wanted to do. You know, yeah. my partner is an ER nurse and we're trying to keep our little quarantine really tight right. and yeah. you know, stay really safe. Because he's already, I mean, that's, he's an essential worker. Like, exactly. And that Working just actively doubles, with COVID patients. Right. And that doubles the increase of, yeah, I mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, we had a big conversation about it and decided that it was going to be okay for me to take this role because production said that we were going to be completely masked and then, you know, and keeping like really clear, like six feet away, all these things. And then we were on set, we would have a plastic divider between the actors. Yeah. So it was like, cool. That's like going to the grocery store or, you know, and then when we cut, we put our masks on, everything's fine. Um, The night before shooting, I got an email from production asking if I would be comfortable with taking the plastic barrier down because their testing has been going so well and everyone was negative and all these things. The testing they were giving was a finger prick test. And I don't mm-hmm. know if y'all know, but there are two types of tests. There's a swab test, mm-hmm. which is an antigen test, which tests for active COVID. And there are the antibody tests, which are usually finger prick or blood tests of some sort. And those tests for antibodies, which mm-hmm. don't show up until your body starts to attack the virus. Mm. So it could take like a week to two weeks right. to never. Your body could just never have antibodies show up, right? Yeah. So I come back and say, you know what? Not comfortable with that safety measure being taken down because you're giving us an antibody test. Yada, yada, yada. Research, research. Partner, yeah. ER nurse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Also, and- pausing the action. Thankfully, you know enough to be able to advocate for yourself, which is also like in this business, which is very... This industry I'm realizing is just, it's really fucked up. The power dynamics mm-hmm. are really fucked up. We need more. You were talking earlier, like, affirm, we don't, affirmative action never made it into Hollywood. We don't mm-hmm. have an arch HR. There's no sexual harassment trainings. Like, there's no anything to be able to empower people to be able to advocate for themselves. Like, it's really fucked up. And, like, I love that you had that to be able to do that because it's like people are like, I just want to work. Like, okay, sure, I guess I'll put myself in harm's way. Like, actors usually will do anything and we don't necessarily always advocate for ourselves yeah and thank you for saying that and the cold part about it is that the rest of the actors did i came back saying what i said and they rebutted saying fyi it is an antigen test so let's be clear they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about right i went back and forth with the executive producer multiple times got to set the next day they asked me again if i was comfortable taking it down i said again no i spoke with the medic the medic didn't know what he was talking about (sighs) i finally get on set i am the only one on set who has the plastic barrier up everyone else all the other actors everyone else other than the actors is masked staying six feet apart no one else is at risk except the actors wow and everyone got put at risk. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The whole day, I'd just been gaslit. I'd just been told that I yeah. was wrong. I'd been told that I didn't know what I was talking about. I was belittled by the medic asking, oh, did your boyfriend tell you that? Did your boyfriend? It was just the most ridiculous instance. I, I, I was just furious that yeah. 
it had to be the one black woman on set. Yes. Trying to keep everyone safe. And right. still I wasn't listened to. Yep. Yeah. So then I've been in two weeks of emails back and forth with this production company and got like a bullshit ass Louis C.K. ass apology. <laughs> I'm sorry you felt ignored. You know what I mean? Oh, yes, totally. Just Already difficult because you're going into the room as a black woman and then having this other like you're trying to keep everyone safe. There's so much we don't know about this. Like mm-hmm. everyone should be really playing this like like very strict if we're we're and getting creative with the kind of shoots that we're doing that can address the times like i enjoy the commercials that i see that they clearly have just like shot at home themselves with their iphones or like let's get creative here people like we all know what the world is like i appreciate watching you know seth meyers and he's in his basement like Mm -hmm. you know or the view they're all from home like i appreciate that it's honest it's it's being safe and it's encouraging that and like again then you get things like the batman it just takes one person to be able to have a super spreader event and it's 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 not even like with like I feel like it's easier for me to keep myself safe from things like HIV because it's like if I you know like I I know how I can get that you mm-hmm. know like it's much mm-hmm. more easier this it's just I mean it could be in the air and some spit and like there's just so many different things like a hundred percent and we know so little about it and the quote medics we are having on set or at work or wherever you may be also know so little about it. Yeah. If somebody's coming to you with information, listen to it. It If somebody comes to you with a test, wherever you work, folks who are listening, please do your research because people are trying to just get their money and they're trying to make you work. Yes. And I don't even care if it's like, okay, yeah, everyone's tests. We did them yesterday. They all came back. Well, I don't know what someone just did mm-hmm. in between that time span. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's a hard thing to be able to or someone's like, oh, I just had my test like a week ago. OK, what happened in between then? I don't know. Like, right. So to me, it's like, yay, getting the testing for my own self-knowledge to know, like, if I've had it or or whatnot. But doesn't give me free license to just be able to, like, go back to business as usual. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. The, I mean, and just, it's really fucked up, but I'm glad that there's some, you know, affirmative action things coming from the Oscars. <laughs> Definitely. And honestly, I have to say, in this whole process, the one silver lining was seeing, I think there were six actors, there were six of us on set that day, at different times. I only got to meet a handful of them, or a few of them, rather. And after I sent out an email to them first saying, mm-hmm. hey, y'all, you weren't safe, just so you know, I'm writing this email. Do you want to be part of this or can I keep you updated or whatever? Every single one had my back. Wow. Every single one was writing emails with me. Every single one, like there is a, an amount of solidarity right now yeah. within those of us who are at the bottom of the barrel, yeah. who are getting shit on, who were yeah. the only ones put at risk, mm-hmm. you know? So yes, thank God for this affirmative action coming. And yeah. also thank God that actors are finally unionizing on their own not in the like political sense of a union but just on their own coming together as beings saying oh shit yeah this they can't do this without us and if we stick together you know we can really make something happen so totally powerful absolutely and i bet they they didn't even know that they could even advocate for themselves in, in, in that way and so it's like yes actors and artists like stand up for your rights like you are not being difficult. You're just trying to keep yourself mm-hmm. safe. And that comes in again, many different 
ways. Like sometimes it's not just COVID, but it's like, you know, a director, producer or whoever being sexually inappropriate or being Mm -hmm. racist or all of the above or being uh, verbally abusive, like just being childish or just being terrible that you would never be able to get away with this in like any other line of work or shouldn't be. So, yeah. Okay, up next, someone who is wonderful to work with and creates amazing, the opposite of what we've been talking about, creates amazing, wonderful places and spaces for artists and actors to be able to work. Uh, Actor, director, writer, nightclub owner, Darcy Drollinger is here to talk about all the amazing work and projects that they are doing, including the feature film Shit and Champagne. We'll be right back. Minority Corner is supported in part by HelloFresh. That's America's number one meal kit. You can get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. It's so easy and it makes home cooking fun and affordable. So what's so dope about HelloFresh is that there is something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes every week. I went with the vegetarian because I'm trying to do, you know, eat less meat. That's what Beyonce be doing. So I went with the vegetarian, and it was really cool because I got to learn how to cook some new vegetarian dishes. I made the zucchini and mushroom bim-bam bowls. I made a creamy, dreamy mushroom pasta with scallions and parmesan. And then I made chicken pea tinga tacos. Ooh, maybe I'll post some of my delicious masterpieces on my personal Instagram for y'all to peep at and just drool all over. And I would have never made these delicious vegetarian options if it wasn't for HelloFresh. Give me all the ingredients and tell me all the steps to do. It was amazing. So delicious. And you learn to cook so if you're not really good at cooking you're gonna learn and if you are really good you're gonna learn some new skills i've been pickling things y'all ever since i started doing hello fresh pickling is delicious so it cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips which like y'all don't want to go to the grocery store right now not in the middle of this pandemic so they're gonna make it so easy for you and it's so quick I am usually a slow cooker, and most meals cook anywhere from 30 to 20 minutes with the really quick recipe options. And HelloFresh, also, this is really cool. They donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. And this year, they're stepping up their food donations due to the coronavirus. That's really dope. But with your dollars. So you can go to HelloFresh.com slash Minority80. That's 80. And use code Minority80. That's with an eight zero there to get a total of $80 off. Get it? Including free shipping on your first box. Wow, that is dope. Additional restrictions apply, so please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's HelloFresh.com slash Minority80 for 80 off with the code Minority80. Hello, hello. Oh my God, you look so much cuter than me. <laughs> Well, it's not a contest, it is. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Right. Well, I am super excited. It's been a long time coming, trying to get her on the show for so long. Bear with me as I have to take a deep breath and just read as much of the resume as I possibly can. 
So they're an actor. You've been, they've been on Broadway. They've been playing Frankenfurter for Ray of Light's Rocky Horror. Writer of such hits such as Shit and Champagne, which was a theater series, uh, which also you starred in, you directed in, you produced in, and you were the lead as Champagne herself. It's now a movie debuting, premiering next week at Frameline Film Festival. You've also produced hit plays such as Bitch Slap, Scalpel, Mr. Irresistible, you were part of a performance art band, Enrique, the creator and choreographer for the dance company Sexitude, Drag Queen Sensation. I told you it was going to be a lot. <laughs> You've done hit drag parodies of the Golden Girls, Facts of Life, Sex in the City, and owner of the best nightclub. And I would say the most unique nightclub in the entire country. It's the best. It, there's nothing else like it in the world. I've traveled. It is the best of Club Oasis. And also now star of the hit web series, my favorite thing that's on right now, Hot Trash, my friend and mentor, Darcy Drollinger. Welcome to the show. Woo! Thanks for having me. That was, that, that's actually almost all we have time oh my for. God. That, was, that, that was, was, well, thanks for coming. Quite a resume. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'll just mention a few. I just feel like you do so much. You can't just mention one thing. I, I You have to get it all in there. Well, you know, and so... <laughs> Sometimes I, I ask myself, should I focus on one thing? Would that be better? But then I can't help it. It's a it's a slippery slope. As soon as you, you know, I got you got an idea and you gotta run with it. It's a blessing and a curse. Well, you're like, I forget someone on Oprah's Super Soul session was talking about this, and you're what I would call a hummingbird. And so hummingbirds, what they do is they buzz around to all of these different flowers. Like some people they focus on just one specific thing, right? But hummingbirds, they buzz around to all these different flowers, and that's how the world gets pollinated. And so awesome. you sharing your magic all over the place, and you think about all the different lives and things that you've touched that like don't focus, just do it all. How does she do it? She does it all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know what? And this has been, it was crazy because uh, this has been a culmination of so many things. And I had such right. a different picture of what this year was going to look like. And then all <laughs> yes. of a sudden I'm like, it's all falling apart. Nothing's going to happen. And then it all happened just sort of in a different way. You know, totally. And yeah. It just goes to show like if something's sort of meant to be and if the wheels are in motion, they're going to find a way to happen. To make it happen. Yeah, yeah totally. So it's so interesting. I mean, because you do, like I mentioned, you, the resume, you do so much. You're also an artist and uh, a nightclub owner and a performer. So much of what you do <laughs> requires, it's really very in person, you know? And how, when this pandemic hit, how did you, I mean, I look at you now and I'm like, wow, you are such an inspiration of like making the best out of a terrible situation. It's called The Pivot. Okay, <laughs> and it's everyone's yeah, gotta learn the pivot because five, six, seven, eight, pivot. pivot. Because you you know it's like when it's when it's not gonna work when there's a wall in front of you you can either run into the wall or pivot. Yeah, you know? and I mean it is one of those things like when this I mean I didn't realize how much everything I do was centered around bringing people together bringing mm, actual people mm -hmm. from dance classes to a nightclub yeah. to theatrical experiences it's all about unifying people bringing people together for this experience right and so right. as soon as that got taken away there was a moment where i was just like what the fuck oh can i say that sorry what, <laughs> yeah yeah what, yeah fuck 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 what the fuck am <laughs> Kids i gotta what, learn what the fuck am i gonna do i mean it's like like 
everything in, in like literally in 24 hours, everything right. I did came to a screeching halt with no light at the end of the tunnel. You know, at first you're sort of like, oh, this is going to be like three weeks. It's going to be a month. And I started getting a little anxiety around that. And everyone's like, oh, no, you're being totally like chicken little. (laughs) Sky is not falling. Well, bitches, the sky fell. (laughs) We're covered in sky. And it's like, um, and so it, it, it has been really interesting to sort of navigate, like, to be perfectly honest, that first, that first month, I like yeah. drank and ate my feelings so hard, yeah. and like because yeah. I didn't know, you know, right? It, it, I, I had no. Clue. There's so much uncertainty, right? And I think a lot of it, you know, you just have to sort of. I mean, for me anyway, it is about just um, organically letting those things happen. It was uh, hard to be able mm-hmm. to plot things out, and even when they're like, "Oh, you can have." you know, you can have drinks to go from your bar mm-hmm. to try and make money, but you have to partner with a caterer and you just, you know, all this, all this stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have a restaurant. Like what is going on? <laughs> As if running a nightclub wasn't already yeah. hard enough. No. Now you've got to figure out how to like organize food. And then you've got to go through all of jump through all those hoops and red tape mm. and the city makes you do for that. And it's just been, it's been crazy, but really, we got some PPP money. It was great, but when that money ran out, that was really like yeah. the the that that moment, the come to Jesus moment, where you're like, I have to do something. We can't yeah. just kind of wait this out any longer. We have to make a move. So you know, again, uh, like that's when we started building that Meals on Heels program, which is bit, which yes. is kind of blown up. We were in the New York Times today. Saw that. Tell them about Meals on Heels. It's such a cute idea. I mean, it was was really, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, seriously, where we're like, I don't know what to do. So we're like, okay, it'll be a novel idea. Like, people can buy, get food delivered from anywhere, right? Like, why would they want some, like, food from a bar, like, that never had food? You know, get a couple of cocktails. But then I thought, well, we'll have a drag queen deliver it. And then the idea was like, well, if a drag queen's going to go all that way, why not do a curbside lipstick? Because we pull that off. <laughs> and then we're like, oh my God, it's going to be too hard. And are, are, are the queens going to feel comfortable doing it? Are the right. people going to feel comfortable? And we did it one time and everyone was, you know, super enthusiastic. And all these people were like, oh my God, I missed it. I missed it. And so we did it again. And first we called it Drag on Demand. Um, mm. We tried to get the website of that, but Drag on Demand actually. Such as porn? Well, no, it's oh. Dragon demand oh and there's a lot there's a lot of dragons sure, there's there. a lot oh people love yes. dragons those oh. those dragon kids beat yeah, you to girl, the punch. that dragon that dragon demand is hella gone <laughs> so anyway um we so we called meals on heels and then started doing it and you know it was fun it, it we we're, we're, we're trying to figure it out as we go too like how does this work like one time, one queen, the speaker wasn't charged. And then they're trying to like oh, do God. the song from their iPhone. <laughs> their iPhone. And then they're oh, by the God. beach and it's super loud by these people. And so basically the queen had to just listen so they knew what to lip sync, but no one could hear anything. So it's just mouthing <laughs> yes. things to them There's and they're like, queen. I don't know. Exactly. A mute drag queen. Um, <laughs> but was really into what she was exactly. like mouthing. Well, it's, it's the terrifying part. Like when you yeah. take away the music from a drag queen lip syncing, there ain't ooh, nothing ooh. else there except the drag queen, right? <laughs> Just a, a, a pretty woman, a really pretty exactly. woman well, on the beach. <laughs> anyway, 
So we, we had our little ups and downs. People were, you know, of course, really, really generous with us in terms of figuring it out as we as we went. But, you know, the right. truth is, uh, you know, the people, it's just like the joy that these people got from uh, yeah. human connection, from yeah. like seeing a, seeing a performer. Like we haven't, little, we haven't, we haven't seen plays. We haven't seen bands. We haven't seen, right. you know, drag shows. Some people saw a drag show once a week, you know, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, cold turkey, drag, God. cold, drag, cold turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and two, I think it speaks to what you, and I'm not even sure if you realized this until the pandemic hit, but like, like you said, part of what you did was bring people together and you created you created culture and community and a sense of belonging. Like I know when Club Oasis first started, I mean, I I was like, it's like a clubhouse. Like it was just an amazing places to come to do performances, dance, see other people do performances. And you just, it was like a cheers, a better cheers because there was like drag performances and like dancing. Right. right. I mean, and, and that's really what I wanted to do. That's what I set out to do. And it was great. It was great because it was happening. And, you know, I had just bought my business partners out, right? So my two business partners <laughs> wanted to retire. And, yeah. and I was like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll all sell the business. It was a nice run. I went and slept on it. The next morning, I was like, you know what? I don't want this to go anywhere. Yeah. I will try and get enough, um, you know, outside investments to buy them out. And it was hard. It took a long time and it was touch and go. And it was, it really, tried my it made me grow in a in a mm-hmm. sort of it was growing pains and doing it i finally did it and then like literally like like a week later like boom you're shut and i thought either i'm like the dumbest person in the world like the worst luck <laughs> or i am gonna steer this in the right way and have make sure this is open when this is over yeah yeah and uh so far so far it's you know i feel like the universe is telling me it was the right decision by the amount of yeah. attention we've been getting. And, and people love Oasis. Yeah. And I think that's why people are so like, they're like, I will pay like one, not only do I want this drag queen performance, like it's a great people want to support Oasis because they know how much there's nothing else like club Oasis in the entire world. I'm not seeing I love it. To hear like, that. I, I believe you. I lived in New York. I didn't see it. Like it was disappointing, honestly, to go to New York because there wasn't there. I don't feel like there's a sense of like, queer community and performance community there, there. um and it's that's new york and you have that there in san francisco that you created and are keeping going while we're in this mess and we'll have something to come back to i, I keep i keep um and i agree with you on that too i've not seen anything that is that same hybrid kind of club we have where it's a cabaret nightclub theater you know event space um yeah. but also that has a kind that has a real community aspect both um, with the performers and the audiences, right? Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of ownership around that. And what's been nice for me, I mean, I, I 100% do not wish this pandemic had happened. But yeah. in, a, in a kind of a blessing in disguise kind of way, being able to shut down for a little while and then sort of recalibrate and start mm. to slowly open with sort of a different, slightly different intention how yeah. I want to do it, especially coming out of, you know, where we are in the world and really mm. focusing on um, like a broader spectrum of the POC community in the queer community. Totally. And in a way that like, I don't feel like having three owners and three captains of the ship 
couldn't really do that. But now, um, so I can be more focused. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I, and, and it's great. Like already I am, and I, I have to give kudos to my assistant, Carissa Hatchell Snacks. Ah, um, she's amazing. She's amazing, but she's also, you know, she is part of that younger group of queens, very connected to like Oaklash and the stud and all of that. And it's really been um, instrumental, I think, in a lot of ways for bringing those people over to the new oasis, right? And, I, and I'm yeah. loving it because I'm getting to have closer relationships with these people because I was just so in a bubble. And I was so in a bubble, mostly focusing on, um, you know, all the cabaret and theater stuff and not more of the right. club stuff. And then, so it, she's been great at helping sort of reestablish what we're going to be and especially in a time where things like the stud have closed you know and mm. albeit temporarily um you know those people still need to perform somewhere and it's great to be able to have a space that we can you know little by little i know that, you know we're doing meals on heels and the you know a few shows for like 30 people on the roof but <laughs> queens get to perform in person the first time well and you're also i think again uh crisis is just another word for opportunity um and i think that you are finding other opportunities like you've created oasis tv and specifically i want to talk about hot trash which like (laughs) i have seen i've seen and had the pleasure of being a part of many different projects and works and i love all of this is probably darcy my favorite thing that i have and you've created amazing things so that's a high bar (laughs) already okay Fucking love hot trash. Talk us about how hot trash. How did it come about? Well, you know, again, it. I mean, I'm glad you love it because I'm having such a great time. And in a lot of ways, at the moment we started it, it sort of saved my life emotionally and creatively because it gave me something to focus on because we were doing nothing at that point. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, I wanted to start. We basically turned the main part of the room, the club, into a soundstage. <laughs> and just pretty we're cool. like let's let's go online <laughs> boom let's do it yeah but yeah. it became clear very quickly that no one was comfortable with a large group of people um doing shows so i had to come up with yeah. an idea that i could just be a, a single person doing it with some of with a tech team and keep right. it you know under 10 people i mean it's a large space you know we've got the, the right. main rooms four thousand square feet um yeah. So we're able to sort of, you know, have our space, be in our own, be in our little bubble and just have right. me do it. So yeah, we had, I had thought about you know, back in the day when we first opened, Hecklina and I were talking about doing these happy hours where we would do like sort of like the Wendy Williams hot topic kind of thing. Uh, sort of talk yeah. about what was going on and make commentary. So I sort of had it in the back of my mind to do something like that. Um, and again, we weren't even quite sure what it was going to be the first it's almost a little painful to watch the first episode because we're like we're like why what is this show what are we doing and everything feels like it's in slow motion and and but we only had one editor now we have three editors like it it really grew quickly um you know i and i and also i had this ppp money right Mm -hmm. so like okay we got this ppp money and i can't open the bar Right. So I have I can't I can't do like I'm like, how do I spend this money and help people who are out of work? And right, so I'm like, yeah. well, how and so it just so happened I had all these amazing talented people, Michael Phyllis, Steve Bollinger, mm-hmm. Richard Naboo, that were yeah. 
you know, my my crew, Sophia Craven, who's my tech director and all of that, right. I got, they didn't have a job. So I was right. able to pay yeah. them. And I'm like, yeah. and, and, and the early PPP money, you only had two months. You had to spend it all in two months. So I'm like, oh my, oh my God, I got to spend money. So uh, yeah. then, then all of a sudden they're like, no, you get eight months or 12 months. You're like, <laughs> Wait, oh, uh, now you're <laughs> you telling me that. But if they hadn't done but, that, I would never have started right. out trash. Right. So it's all yeah. again a blessing. The right. urgency to have yes. to do it. And like, like, you know, so many of our friends are out of work in the industry. It's so heartbreaking. I have friends who just made it on Broadway for the first time who like, oh my God, they're not like, and they don't know when it's coming back. Yes. And like, I'm like, never been so grateful to have never fully made it because <laughs> it was, um one thing i really love about hot trash is because like there is like not only do we have the pandemic coming in but we have all of this you know it's like civil rights part five that's happening yes this, all the civil unrest that is so necessary to finally be happening and i just i think i love and appreciate like hot trash like commenting and addressing the issues that are happening because i do feel like sometimes like within the, the the gay community, it doesn't necessarily always comment on the intersectionality that a lot of us have been experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like Hot Trash is one of the most like inclusive things that I have seen like you produce and also like speak to the moment. And I just feel, and it's hilarious. It's so hilarious too. <laughs> and it just like, I just, I, you have to watch it, everybody. It's so good. You're going to learn. You're going to laugh your ass off. And like you all got into a little thing with Facebook, didn't you? What? What do you mean? Didn't you guys get like pulled from Facebook or no, something? No, it was, it was YouTube. Oh, YouTube okay. blocked us because <laughs> we did a parody song um, about the demon sperm lady, the demon sperm <laughs> doctor. Remember those the 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 oh, front line front line doctors, whatever they were called. Oh yeah. And, yeah, um, but- and then Madonna retweeted one. So we did we did a Madonna parody song, but we showed video footage. And I guess there's bots on on YouTube um, that don't just use audio, but do the visual. And because it, they they suspected <laughs> us for perpetuating, you know, false, false information. Yeah. I mean, so that took a lot of work to get back on. But we because you know it's hard to find a human. And places like Facebook oh, or, God, or yeah. YouTube to talk to, but we did, yeah. and um, you know, and and they they turned it around in in a, in about twenty four hours, but it was still yeah. it was still so frustrating to get stuck like yeah. that. But you know, it's been great, and I and I think it is. There's been so much shit going on right now, and uh, you know, it's it is interesting to be able to do that through the drag perspective too because yes using comedy to talk about hard mm-hmm. stuff you know yeah. and other people do it you know john stewart's done it trevor no but there is something different about having a drag queen because yes. it is like the daily show meets samantha b meets you know john I'm, oliver I'm john yeah. oliver it's all of those but it's done through drag but you're so right it it gives a whole other layer and perspective to it that does not exist anywhere else. Right. Well, so I, uh, yes. So now can, if anyone's listening, um, can like Comedy Central pick pick the show up? Yeah. I have been actually, you know, I did get reached, uh, here TV reached out to me about. Nice. Bringing, so I'm, I'm contemplating, I mean, the hard thought, 
you know, the hard thing about it is I have to, it would leave the Oasis YouTube and it would, I need to go to hear TV and all of that. Right. But it is nice that, that they were so excited about it and felt like it was a really fresh voice that they hadn't heard. So hundred percent. Um, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see um, what happens with that. It is one of those, it was think the catch 22 is, it's not a it's not a super cheap show to make. Sure, so, it's very well done <laughs> and very well produced. And I'd imagine it's a lot of time, a lot of effort. And those people are like really good, and they're probably yeah. you know for the amount of work they put into it, they're making like ten bucks an hour probably. Right. But it's still quite a bit of money. People, it looks like oh yeah, what are the you know? It's just they're some friends throwing it together. And while we are <laughs> friends throwing it together, these people still. Aren't, aren't working right and sure so, yeah so I, it's a little bit of, we've run out of the ppp money i'm you know it's been supporting it we'll see what happens i i'm really determined to make it continue we have a patreon um account so people can join our patreon if they want we'll link it in the and show just notes, so people definitely. know it's a, it's this is on our oasis um youtube channel which is oasis tv soon to maybe be on here or let's hit up logo what are the other like Ellen, she's mean, mm-hmm. so we need to have her change her, her oh reputation God. so she should pick you guys exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> I could help her. You could. Except except uh-huh. in the thirteenth episode where we turn into a reality show, it paints me as um sort of the, the bitch. Oh I, 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 I I'm I'm the Ellen in that episode. Tables get turned early on. <laughs> Okay, you've got something really also big. I mean, there's so many things. I could easily do like a five-part series with Darcy Jolinger here on Minority <laughs> Corner. So something really huge is happening. So Shit and Champagne, the movie is premiering next week at Frameline. So, yes. so Shit and Champagne started off as a theatrical production and now she's a movie. Yes, you know what? And it was a long time coming. I originally wrote the the play in 2004 it's crazy right what is that 16 years ago it's crazy that i've been carrying this woman around with me for 16 (laughs) and she's heavy no i mean (laughs) (laughs) anyway um yeah and 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 i remember when i first wrote it i i had just finished a project where i had a lot of pressure we were doing a show called possession of mrs jones in la as part of the la film festival and there was a lot of money behind it a lot of cooks in the kitchen and i I struggled with having to make lots and lots of compromises. So I came out of that and I'm like, I want to write something that is just as stupid and funny as I want it to be. I don't want to care what yes. anyone else thinks. And I'm yeah. like, for the first time, I want to write something for myself. And I hadn't actually ever done that. I'd written mm. things and I'd been in them as characters, right. but I'd never written for my strengths, right? And so I, I wrote it and then I shopped the script around to some places I like La Mama in, in um, New York. I sent it out here to John Fisher at um, Theater Rhino and so on and so forth. NCTC, mm-hmm. even even um, Hypnodrome. Um, oh. No one wanted to do it. Hypnodrome passed on Shit and Champagne? It's, 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 I, know, been up there I know, early. I know. Um, <laughs> They're lost. Now, what, 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 here's the thing. No, I, 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 wonder, I look back on it and I wonder, like, you look at that script and are you like, this is just... Like like ninety pages of poop jokes. Like this is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life, right? And I'd send it actually to a bunch of other places too, and everyone said no. I mean, Ellen Stewart, La Mama. I don't even know if she read it. She's like, nothing, no, nothing's going on my stage with the word shit in the title. And I like, and 
And so finally I had to just produce it myself. And we produced it in a little strip club in the Lower East Side, the slipper room. And the show would start at eight, we'd be done by 9.45 and the strippers would come on at 10. It was pretty perfect. <laughs> perfect. Right? Yeah, and perfect setting for Champagne White because she starts off as a stripper. Exactly. She's a stripper. I mean, basically, and anyway, we just kept going. We just get that ran for a long time. Moved to San Francisco, flash forward, did it, did it at a bar called Rebel. We did and that ran for a bunch of times. And then we moved it to the Oasis as the inaugural show, the very first um, show we had done at Oasis. And that's when you joined the I joined. It was so grateful to to be a part of because it was like a cult hit. Like there was a lot of pressure joining into this because like there are what is called shitheads where people yes. like people. It's a cult following. People know the lines. So it was like big shoes to fill fill in. But it was like you all were running at such a fast pace. It was just like all right, you know, let's go. And to the opening of Club Oasis, I remember like the dust hadn't even settled yet with Club Oasis. Oh my God, opening. We were rehearsing. <laughs> in a construction zone i remember like rain was coming through the ceiling there was like literally the stage wasn't even built i mean yes. we have to walk over like all of those boards and pools of water it was crazy but i think in a weird way it bonded us as friends on a deeper level because we had to sur- we had to survive rehearsing in this like scooby-doo death trap it was like- crazy um but, but so for everyone who doesn't know the story it's basically it's, you know, it's based on those 70s exploitation films like Foxy Brown and Coffee with Pam Greer, Savage Streets with Linda Blair, those kinds of things. And it's an homage to that, at least in the film, it's like the first half of that is that. And then it sort of turns into 70s um, hero TV ladies like Bionic Woman, Wonder Woman, Charlie's Angels, where she has to go yes. undercover to, you know, Foil the foil the 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 bad guy's plans, and then it yeah. ends in a sort of Tarantino esque um, kind of drag hyper violent comedy way, <laughs> which I you know I being able to work with um, filmmakers who understood how to do that was really satisfying. Where I could could basically say I want this to have a, like a, an overly gory Tarantino moment, and then I got it, and it looked amazing. Yeah. Uh. The trailer looks so fabulous. Um, how was that process getting it, like going from theater to film? Like, how was that journey? Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I had written this to uh, sort of feel like we were taking a movie and adapting it for stage. The original theater production. Right. It had all the Foley sound effects of the punches and the gunshots and the even footsteps and just all of that <laughs> and tons of music. And right. I mean, it's interesting how, um, so I had written, I had taken the, the, the stage script and I had, you know, flushed it out and added all these things that um, were- You could do now. Right. And, but ironically, in the cutting room floor, we lost a lot of those things. I, I realized <laughs> that original was very succinct. Like we had a really right. tight story, um, you know, uh, but it was amazing and it was a process. I can't wait to do the next one because it was like film school. Everyone's like, yeah. really? You're going to just you know, direct and star in a feature film even if you've never even made a short before? <laughs> and I think, you know, yes, kind of idiotic. But I think in that kind of Pollyanna, like, I can do it. Yeah. It, it was you rough. a lot. It did. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I definitely, um, there are moments where I'm like, God, I wish I could do that again. Like totally. I lost some humor. Right. Um, 
but most shoots we were able to like have like re like reshoots and things like that. You know, we didn't have we weren't able to like go back and really you know do there those wasn't sort of the things. Budget, yeah, yeah, totally. Was, Which again, like. Yeah, but you did, and but I love it too. Like it was opportunity, like you provided. It was really cool experience to get to see so many folks in San Francisco getting to work on a film. It felt yes. like this sort of like community, pro and like big professional people also behind the scenes working on it as well. And it just was like once again, Darcy is providing this great community event and work and opportunity to people who normally wouldn't get to have that. It was my first feature film. Yep, and mine too. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I love seeing. I mean, and I was actually shocked. To tell you the truth, you know, I've been producing this, I've been planning it, and I get on set and there's like tents and catering and like I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? And I was like an hour late, right? The very first day, <laughs> I'm on drag time and everyone's like, uh, uh, um, tick, tick, tick. We don't do that here. Yeah, I'm just like shit. I got schooled that day, but it was it yeah. was also interesting too to find a, my voice in film. I remember. I remember doing one of the early, the second day of shooting and everyone running to me, like after the first couple of takes, like you're too big, you're way too big, you're way too big, you're way too big. And, and well, I appreciate that. And I, and I, I didn't understand that I could whisper that I didn't have to right. yell. Like, yes. you know, I'm used to the ways of stage where I'm competing with drunk people and a bartender and you gotta yell. And Matthew Martin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my, my, my Darcy school of acting is you look at the person while you're listening to them. And then you stare at the audience when you're talking to the other person and just scream as loud as you can. And you know what? It works. <laughs> it, works. it works. It's hilarious. Cause the style is so vaudeville and the audience is the other character. And what's so interesting is that like, I think we all kind of had to learn on the go yes. about like, how this works, you know? And I think but it's interesting though, like you'll hear actors talk about that all the time. Like Carrie Washington says like, oh, by the time we got to the last day, I figured out like my character. I figured out my know? makeup by the last day. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I finally figured out how my makeup should be looking. And now I look at the early scenes, like on that second and third day, I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck was I doing? Redo the whole movie. I but I, I, I think it kind of reminds me of just like, you know, John Waters and his crew making movies sure. and they evolve as they go along. And it and should be fine. I mean, so, but the truth of the matter is after everyone ran to me and were like, oh my God, it's too big, it's too big, it's too big. When we have the test screening, that scene yeah. gets some of the biggest mm. laughs. So also what I learned See? is I need to test my instincts and, and I yeah. couldn't fully do that on this time. And, and again, people weren't trying to stop me to, you know, ruin my movie they're all trying to make the best movie possible they just didn't understand quite you know i'm, I'm going for a different kind of humor right, right? And, and and i yes. think and 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 you know so the movie is all of those things but it did rem it yeah. did prove to me that not to be afraid to be you know benny hill over the top it's like yes. Three's company, yeah. that kind of just super broad stuff. There's a place for it. I mean, airplane, and I mean, there, there's nuances in Mel Brooks films, but there's also real stupid stuff and things like that. You know? Totally, yeah. And so sort of trusting those instincts. I mean, the same instincts that led you to writing <laughs> shit and sure. champagne in the beginning, when people were like, "I'm not going to do this," and then you, you know, do it, do it yourself. Um, so you are planning on a sequel. Yes. I mean, I'm, Yay. I am, I, well, I, as soon as I was done, I was like, oh my God, I, I got to write the next one immediately, immediately. And you know, it's been, it's again, a great process. And I also learned how, how crucial editing is to make comedy yes. work, you know, totally. um, and, and Josh Dennis, who's the, the editor who did the trailer, 
is just so talented, so talented. Mm -hmm. The sequels, yes. Well, I, I've already actually written two stage sequels, and you know this, James. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I, I feel. Would you do those? I mean, because the second one is Champagne White and the Temple of Pooh. Yes, that is the name, and. Uh, I think actually, I mean, that one's going to be a little more epic. There are like, there's some ninja fights and uh, there's definitely, there's a, there's a temple, there's a temple. Like Indiana Jones there's, temple there, with a boulder. There's a giant vat of perf boiling perfume called Pousset that she falls yes. in. The, you know, so there's, there's some there's big moments, but I also feel like uh, what I'm also like, I love this movie. Is that when she goes to jail? Is yes. that the jail one? Yes, it, oh, I love the she, second one. Lady Prison. To, lady, lady Prison. prison. <laughs> and my character Sergio is there. Yes. He's, <laughs> lady Prison. Sergio's everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's it, it'll be it'll be different. I the, the thing about this movie is, which is very funny, the my crew was amazing, but a lot of them have worked in you know high end projects, a lot of commercial work. So <laughs> I kept telling them, I want this like. I'm trying to describe it. I want it to look bad. And right. like, it was like, it was not in them to want to create something flawed. Right? right. So, so, so this, this film doesn't really push it. Like how like black dynamite really pushed the low budget. Of, like, right. Yeah. The boom mics hitting him in the head and you know, all this totally. Stuff. It's purposely noticeable how sort of like somewhat bad right. it is. So I'm, I'm not afraid of the next one because it's got to be so grand and I doubt I'm going to have a, a $40 million budget to right. do it all. Like, I'm not afraid to like lean into the kind of bad special low effects. budget, bad special <laughs> effects. Um, and, and have that be an aspect of it. Then it doesn't, right. it doesn't, it, I'm not so afraid of it, but yes, we've got the temple of Poon and disastrous. We've got um, both of them can just, I feel like, I mean, again, they're going to take a little time. But I want to get them out there. I mean, there's other stuff I want to do too. I still really want, if um, you know, to do a nighttime uh, soap opera for Bitch Slap, which is my mm. my eighties thing. But do it. Um, my goal is to do it as a weekly uh, soap opera on maybe like Netflix, and then yeah. every week have a have a drag queen guest star and a, a <laughs> and an old soap <laughs> star guest star. Like a, oh, what like, a great idea! So like can, Susan Lucci yes, in Alaska, exactly. Or something. <laughs> and then you're not, then you're like celebrating all those other genres. You're bringing in those different audiences. I think, and it's pretty funny. And I, I think that would that would be another project I'd like to do. But in terms of yeah. of cinema, I think if if this is if champagne if shit and champagne has the same kind of power it did in terms of repeat um, audience members and shitheads coming. I think a sequel makes sense. I mean, the truth be told, if if we weren't in COVID times, what I would hope is if someone bought it, they would be they would get behind the idea of doing a live theater run, but have pre-show just like we did yeah. with Bad Strippers, which are going to be at the drive-in. We're going to have tw twenty Ooh. Bad Strippers lap dancing the cars, Lovely. and Debbie will be there. But but do those but do those in the theater, and then have all of the films be sort of like a call and response Rocky Horror thing, because that's yeah. happening live where every time she says, right. you know, her, her full name and she says, so I've been married a couple of times and everyone yells, it's, it's not your, your fucking, fucking business. business. <laughs> right. So like those kind of moments, yeah. if we, if we could get, so it's almost like if, if this doesn't go theatrical, 
I would love to try it. Like if it's going to stream yeah. where it might find its home streaming, but create some sort of like how to shit in champagne. Yeah. Like a path. Oh, yeah. so people could have viewing parties. Right. And these are the things to do. These are like, here's some drinks you could make. Here are the things to say and do and throw or whatever. Yep. Just like the Rocky Horror Show. Yeah. But like the at home version. But, you can even, we could even sell little packs. Yeah. Buy them, you know. See, always the ideas. That's you. <laughs> I love it. And it's just so infectiously inspiring. And so I'm going to, we'll put a link into the show notes. Uh, they can still buy tickets, oh, yeah. right? For the Correct. premiere. It's not sold out yet, yeah. but it's going to be soon. So people should. It's going to be premiering on Thursday, September 17th at the West Wind Solano Drive-In in Concord, <laughs> which is very vintage and very appropriate for a 70s. Perfect fitting. Um, um, and they can buy tickets at uh, frameline.org. Uh, and, and it's great. It's only 26 bucks per car. Wow. And you can p- pack your car up full of people. Yeah. So it's a real deal. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's a big kind of concessions area. There's going to be a DJ. So there might be some dance and yes. some disco dancing. There's going to be a lot of fun merch. We're going to have a step and repeat photos so there'll be like a whole party and then there's the pre-show starting at 6 30 with the strippers we've got debbie on the big screen doing all of her tragic dancing um we're gonna have people changing big bills for one dollar bills so people can (laughs) slide that money through the crack and you're so you can still be safe yeah you don't have to um make all the strippers wear masks right you can still slide those dollar bills through the crack and it's a i think people are look i mean i know my friends are all going and they're just so excited to have something it's a fun celebratory moment for the community and just something fun to go out and do and people love this show it gives them such life so it feels like such a, a homecoming I'm glad that you're going to get to come. Me too. Yeah, I get it. It's just uh, interesting how it all shaped out and worked out. But uh, I'm also excited to hear that there's going to be more work for me from uh, Darcy Jolinger's Productions. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I know. Seriously, I was on the phone with two of my producers today, and they're like, "You need to. we're going to try very hard to capitalize on all of this uh, attention the club is getting and the film is getting right now. They're like, get your pitches ready now. Let's go. Like, um, so I'm all of a sudden like, I gotta, I gotta at least get my one sheets, one sheets going for those those two sequels. Um, but I, yeah, I can't wait to jump right. In. And I think you know, just also too, once I had done shit and champagne for a while, and really understood that kind of humor, like Temple of Poon goes off in a much more like ridiculous, 100%. as did disastrous, right? But it's. The, the word play and the kind of, you know, police squad or airplane or naked gun humor yeah. really gets elevated more in the two sequels. That absurdist, slapsticky, Mel Brooks, I, it's just all there. What is what is the um, my favorite part with you when... when, when uh, we just yell jizz? Tri- Trixie? No, no. What's the one where she goes... The five, the three points of the pentagram or whatever, you kept interrupting her. You're in the cloak. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It was, so, oh, it was just so, a genius so moment. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh, 
Because I'd be like, oh, there's two or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I forget what it was. It was, oh, it was so it good. Was so funny. So there's so many great moments. Well, and how else? So we should, they should definitely go to uh, Oasis TV and they, if they're in San Francisco, order your meals on Heels. Uh, there's a Patreon page to support Club Oasis and keeping that going for Oasis TV. Get your tickets for uh, uh, Champagne and definitely watch Hot Trash. Definitely watch Hot Trash. Become a Patreon subscriber because that helps Hot Trash stay alive. Share it, like it. And if you're in the city and you feel comfortable, our roof and our parklet are now open. So on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays from five to nine, you can come have some um, socially distanced drinks and food. And watch a dry queen or two. I love it. In the the flesh. I love it. Dyson Jolliger, thank you so much for just being you and letting your light shine and inspiring. I really mean it. You're not only a friend, but you're also a mentor, which is like, I feel, I hope you don't get offended by that, but like you. I love (laughs) it. Okay, good. Are are you calling me old? No, I don't want you to think that I'm calling (laughs) you old because we're like probably the same age. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I know. Although you uh, did call me a middle age you, in a press release for uh, the Facts of Life. So we did the drag, drag, drag version of Facts of Life. And you said, I quote, well, we're all just middle-aged men. And I was certainly not a middle-aged oh, man. I'm sorry. Point. Okay. You can call me a mentor anytime, honey. Perfect. Just, just don't call me a legend because that's real <laughs> That's a, You're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love you, Darcy. Thank you love so you much. Too, honey. <laughs> I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And... I was two butts, 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 butts. Hey, I'm Janet Farney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, oh, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or... A time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. That's going to do it for us this week. Big thanks to Darcy Jolinger, our guest, and Sam Jackson, who will be back with us next week. Yes, we get her for two action-packed weeks. Check the show notes to get tickets to the Frameline premiere of Shit and Champagne, or you can actually watch it from home. Frameline is going virtual this year, so you can still check out Shit and Champagne, watch Darcy and I in action, and all kinds of great goodies down in the show notes. I'm going to get out of here. We will catch you for the Minority Corner 
Corner Rewind on Tuesday and the brand new episode with Sam Jackson next week. We're going to be talking about history of curfews in sundown towns, which won't surprise you have roots in racism and the history of the politicalization of black women's hair, which also rooted in racism. So a big old historical racism unpacking, but what else is new here at Minority Corner? So that's going to do it for us. Follow us on all the social medias. Have a great, wonderful weekend. I love you. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Thank you all so much for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.